Hi, this is Claudette Robinson, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. to be this is small town music this is big town music he's ahead of his time you know but he can't use it if only he could prove it well tomorrow's just a song away a song away a song away hey everybody welcome to rock solid the comedy podcast for all things music both new and classic i'm pat francis and joining me in the zoom room today we have the first lady of motown Miss Claudette Robinson, original member of the Miracles. This is unbelievable. Claudette, how are you doing today? Actually, I am doing well, Pat. How are you? I am good. Now, I'm in, we're both in Southern California. Where do you reside? I'm in Beverly Hills. Okay, now, Beverly Hills. This is much, much different from the way Claudette grew up, I'm assuming. Uh, you're you're correct in assuming that. <laughs> <laughs> what what when you look at your life right now, living in Beverly Hills, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, star on the Walk of Fame, uh, singer on all these hits that we love, whether lead or background vocals, and living in Beverly Hills, do you do you still pinch yourself? Pretty close to pinching myself many times because. Uh, it really, it's pretty unbelievable that uh, for a young black girl, you know, coming from the South, because I'm one of the few that I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. And so as a result of that, you know, we lived in a very small house. Uh, we had an outhouse, not an inside toilet. Uh, at that time, we did not have refrigeration. Uh, we had an ice box. And the ice man would come and leave like 50 pounds of ice in this huge box. <laughs> but that was normal. You know, it was normal for us and many other families. Yeah, sometimes I would tell my kids about something when I was growing up, and they'll look at me like I'm a thousand years old. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you're talking about an outhouse and an ice box, and now you live in Beverly Hills because you've, because you've earned it. And, and so bravo to you for hard work and achieving your dream. It's amazing. Uh, people can't see the video, but I can see behind you. We have, uh, we have uh, gold records and awards hanging on the wall and uh, just congratulations. It's, it's an amazing and impressive story. So I'm very excited to, to really dig into it uh, with you today. So Claudette, first of all, I want to I want to mention that your your newest project is you wrote a children's book. Is that yes, the most that's the most recent thing? Tell us the title of the book and tell us a little bit about it. Well, the title of the book is Claudette's Miraculous Motown Adventure. And it is a story about little Claudette and it ends with music saving the day. And it's my story told in a form in a fantasy type form and um, it tells a little about me and how I became the first lady of Motown and it's a, I think a great book 
And everybody should run out and purchase it right now. Absolutely. Is this something you had wanted to do for a long time? Do you have uh, you have children? Do you have grandchildren? I do. I have uh, three grandchildren, uh, which are now almost adults. <laughs> <laughs> so I have uh, my uh, youngest are twins, a boy and a girl, and those are my son's children. And they are, they just turned 21 in December. Wow. My oldest, uh, my daughter, Tamla, she has a daughter and her daughter now is 23. So they're actually older than their grandmother. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, uh, I, I look at them and I'm like, when people say you have children, I'm like, these are almost grown people here. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're still too young for, to give you uh, great grandchildren, but um Sometime that'll happen. Did you uh, did you always want to write a children's book? Well, children have always been my very favorite people. I volunteered in classrooms for about 30 years. Uh, I won't say on and off because it was really um, probably every year. I started with my own children going into the classrooms and we had just moved to Beverly Hills. And so I wanted to be available to them just in case there was any issues, problems or whatever. Right. And uh, so I started volunteering one day a week that went to five days a week. And it was one hour a day that went to the whole entire school day. <laughs> and I loved it so much until I continued. I continued until they were in high school. And then when my grandchildren came along, I actually, for my oldest granddaughter, I used to take her to school uh, most days, and I started with uh, first preschool. Then when she went to kindergarten, I decided that, well, it really wasn't my decision. Her teacher asked me, would you like to help out? And I was like, oh, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> and that's what I did, and I went from there to uh I actually went all the way through to uh, high school for her. And the only reason I didn't go to college <laughs> is they wouldn't let you. <laughs> That's right. That's correct. You know, but it was a wonderful time. Uh, I had, I did get an opportunity to have a tour of the school. She graduated from USC in um, a bachelor's of science degree in uh, music. And so I, um, you know, I love it and, I'm happy that she um, graduated <laughs> and uh, she would like to uh, pursue a music career. Uh, I don't know if that will be her final mm -hmm. choice. But, you know, I'm here to encourage her if she should. And she's uh, she's obviously has some talent handed down. So uh, in the genes. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> well, I think she's extremely talented. Of course, you're you, you have to think that. <laughs> she's talented, but on top of being talented, she's beautiful both inside and out. And that's a great thing. My other two, uh, my granddaughter, uh, Alexis, she is in Michigan at Albion College. And so what she's doing is uh, she wants actually wants to be a math teacher. And she said after that, maybe an attorney. And who knows, yeah. maybe a doctor. <laughs> and her, her brother, her twin brother, he, his uh, pursuit, Thomas, he wants to do something with um, uh, being a chef. He wants to become a chef. But his dad is a chef, so it's probably pretty easy. Probably going to happen, yeah. Yes. Now, what I'm gathering just from this uh, little bit of conversation is you're very much a, a family-oriented person, which goes the whole way back to the miracles, because th that, in a way... 
kind of a family type thing too, correct? Uh, yes, yes. Um, it started out with actually my brother was a part of the group when they were called the Matadors. And I had a sister group called the Matador Rets. And of course, at that time, you know, it was always Eds and Nets and whatever. Right, yeah, exactly. And, uh, when my brother decided that he was not going to be a part of the group anymore, he joined the Army. And when he joined the Army, I would say a month or two after he had joined, um, an opportunity came about for um, an audition going around the city. Okay. And I used to be at rehearsal, most of their rehearsals, because sometimes the girls and the guys rehearse together. Mm -hmm. And um, Smokey asked me, he said, we have this rehearsal coming. My brother at this time, they had shipped him off to Germany. And he said, uh, would you like to sing with us? And I was like, well, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, yes, I would, but I'm not sure. Will I fit in? Can I, you know, do the harmony? Is it going to blend and whatever? But at the time, Smokey actually was singing in the, the soprano section of his high school choir. Okay. So his voice was extremely high. And so with him having that voice and with me being a first soprano as well, it was just very easy for the blend. And my cousin, um, Bobby Rogers, uh, he became a member of the group as well. He was actually a member before I became a member. Gotcha. I was the last to join. And I was the reason for the name change, changing to the Miracles, was because of the fact that uh, they needed a name that would suit a group that had a girl in it. Because, you know, girl matadors didn't Did, really. No, that it. didn't work. So you're the reason for you're the reason for the name change. That's that's yeah, that's I mean, something that I didn't find in my research. And oh, you okay? And the other thing is, Smokey put the name Miracles in the hat. That's what he says. I don't know who <laughs> put it in there. I pulled it out. So there you go. It was a team effort. Absolutely. Now, of course, we're talking about Smokey Robinson, and you two were married for how many years? Uh, 27 years. 27 years. On your website, there's a picture of Smokey holding your book, your children's book. So uh, I assume at this stage in life, you two are are still friends and everything's cool. Uh, we're cool. We're good. We're good. He's remarried. Uh, uh, but we still have two wonderful, wonderful children. Uh, Barry, who was my oldest, and uh, Tamla, oh, which is after the record label. Yes. <laughs> yes, so, it is. I just yeah, we, I just realized that right now. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, I think we were just Motown addicted. That's it. <laughs> but you didn't name your any sons Mo. You you no. avoided that. Okay, good. No. Good for them and good for you. Okay, no. so you're the first lady of Motown because the Miracles are the first band to be signed to the label. Correct. And since you're in that group, you're the first woman to be signed to that label. That is correct also. Now, how did this, first of all, so it, it kind of seems like you were, did you want to do this or were you just kind of ask and you just like jumped in head first or had singing been something that you had thought about as a career? Well, I never thought of it as a career, but I okay. did enjoy singing. I love singing. Um, I started singing around three. At three years old, my grandmother took me to the National Baptist Convention, stood me up on a box and allowed me to sing in front of the whole congregation there at the National Baptist Convention. So that was my start. But I always sang something, you know, um, 
with the neighborhood kids, uh, with in school, in the choir, whatever. And I love singing, but I was very shy. And I did not believe that I was going to be able to get on that stage without my leg shaking really bad. But what helped me with the group, within the group, is that there were four guys and a guitarist, which meant uh, five guys always looking out after me. Right. So it made it so much easier. They were like my bodyguards, my friends, and one became the husband and whatever. And it was, you know, just a wonderful time. I, I really did miss coming off the road. And the reason that I came off the road is I had had several miscarriages. And uh, Mr. Gordy and Mr. Robinson thought that maybe it was because of traveling a sure. lot. So because unfortunately I had a had eight miscarriages. And so that was not the best, I guess, for health wise. But I did miss all the wonderful people I had met along the way and, you know, all the different venues and great people that some are still my friends today. And I, I like that a lot. I want to I want to address the, the eight miscarriages is I mean, th that's 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 an extreme amount of miscarriages for for any woman. And you must have wanted a family so bad because some women would have just not <laughs> not wanted to continue to try to have children. But you did. And, and thankfully, you were you were successful. So, yeah, that must have been so that one. And was this because the rigors of the road back then? I mean, even first class or A plus travel wasn't, you know, wasn't what it is now. Is that or was it with the schedule? What was it was just everything, I guess. I think it was a lot, but also I had a condition um, that uh, we didn't find out about until much later. And um, I guess the doctor just kept telling me, you know, you're still young, you're still young mm -hmm. and it's okay. You know, so I would wait until, you know, it was supposedly safe to get pregnant again because yeah. I never had any problems getting pregnant, mm -hmm. but I did have problems carrying. My shortest time of caring was about five and a half months, and the longest was uh, seven. And oh. I had twins at seven months, but unfortunately, they didn't make it. Yeah, this is—I mean, this is just this is just heartbreaking stuff for all the for all the great <laughs> things that happened in your life. These things are these things are are real, and and those are difficult. But um, so once you once you got off the road and got pregnant, and were just at home, uh, you know, caring everything was everything was cool everything was fine i don't know why i keep saying cool but everything was fine well it, it was always difficult mm -hmm. uh even after coming off the road you know because our our firstborn was actually done by a surrogate which at the time was not even recognized as something that you should do but we had a doctor that uh, wanted to give it a try mm -hmm. because so many times that i had had miscarriages yeah. And uh, he actually invented a brace for me uh, when I carried my daughter. And uh, it was, I'm sure he used it for more people after me, right. but it was uh, to, you know, to hold the baby in. And uh, it was a lot of, you know, really, um, I'd say new, it, I won't call it an invention, but it was a lot of different things that people were just beginning to know. And today they know even more so. Because Absolutely. When I had the twins, you know, uh, ultrasounds and stuff like that, they weren't even, you know, no, it wasn't available. No. So they didn't even know I was carrying twins until there you see one and then two. So um, 
you know, it was really hard. But on the other hand, I always had a tremendous amount of faith and believing in God that somehow, some way that he was going to carry me through that. Yeah. And I can tell you today, it happened. Yeah. And uh, But it wasn't that easy. But I did have a husband at that time that kept telling me, I don't know what who they were, but I do know who you are. And if it had to be either one, I'm still happy that it was you. And I love you. And so, you know, like that kind of keeps you going. Yeah. And it was uh, it was hard. But yeah. on the other hand, um, I made it through. And I tell you today, I'm standing strong. And I'm just, I'm waiting to be 150. That's what I tell my doctors, you know. And I have a lot of things that I'm uh, planning to do after this. Well, you you look fantastic. And it's not so much how you look. You carry yourself uh, as a woman that is full of life. I mean, I mean, I know how old you are and you do not come across, you do not come across as, as a woman that's that age. Age, right? Yeah. Cause age is, it's just a number. And mine is unlisted. That, <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> so my next question, what was it? I lost my train of thought. I'll get it back. So who are you? Uh, in lockdown with? Who have you been spending your time with during this lockdown? <laughs> well, my first person in the lockdown has been my daughter, Tamla, because okay. she lives with me. And um, my son is over every single day. Okay. Uh, my godson, Trey, is around as often as he can be because he lives in the Bay Area, but he comes down and kind of helps me out in a lot of areas. And when I'm getting ready to do broadcasts and all of that, Trey Major. <laughs> and uh, then my granddaughter, my oldest, is back from um, Ohio. Okay. And so she's here now. And that's basically it. I mean, I do have a few friends that stop by occasionally, but we have really in this year been on what I consider true lockdown. Yeah. You know, they are so afraid that with my young age that I might get uh, <laughs> COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's no joke. That's for sure. And have you have you been vaccinated yet? Uh, not not as yet, but it's coming up. It's yeah. Coming it, up. I would th I would th I thought maybe you would tell, you know, with a. Uh, you know, with your work with children and uh, and other things that you would be vaccinated. So fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, but it's it's almost there, almost there. I I'm waiting for my turn. Yeah, you know, because I'm of the younger group. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> of course. All right, let's go all the way back, 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 back. It's 1961. The first album comes out. Hi, we're the Miracles.
how do you guys get signed and what type of venues are you guys playing at prior to getting signed? Well, we were signed actually in um, actually 1958. Wow. See, we, we met Mr. Gordy in 1957. And that's how we were the first everything, you know, first group, first right. female, first gold record, all of those things. And Motown did not actually begin until uh, January 12th, uh, 1959. Okay. And with that, what happened is um, we were with Mr. Gordy as our manager, but there was no company that we could, uh, no record label that we could have a record on. So our first record was actually released on the end E&D record label. Okay. And that was out of New York. George Goldner was the owner at that time, and he was known for uh, getting hits on uh, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. So we thought that record was just going to be, the record was got a job, and we thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, yeah. you heard it on the radio and all these places and things, and we got our royalty check, that very first royalty check. And guess how much? I want to know. $3.19 now, to divide all of us. Not individually, $3.19. But they said they had to uh, use the rest of it for expenses. I don't know what the expenses were, but obviously uh, they had something in mind. But it wasn't us for sure. Well, so you can't live on, uh, you know, splitting $3 between five or six of you. How do, how do you guys, how are you surviving? It was difficult. It was very difficult. Smokey and I were, were basically, um, well, I guess when we first recorded, we had not gotten married yet. We were engaged, but uh, we got married in 59. So, <clears throat> excuse me, as a result of that, um, we lived with his family uh, the first year and a half, I guess. Okay. And um, we finally got our own apartment. But prior to that, we just, Smokey, of course, was working for the um, for Motown when Motown began. And he would receive a check. And I always tell people that I married him for his money because he got $5 a week for gas. <laughs> And then it was increased to ten dollars a week. So you know we were flying high. I mean, we you can laugh about it now, but you know by today's standards, that's that sounds crazy. But I mean, uh, you know, I don't know what you could do with ten dollars back then. But it doesn't seem like ten dollars is a lot of money ever. It was not a lot of money yeah. even. 
but you could have food. You know, you could have a little food. We didn't have, have to pay for rent because we were staying uh, upstairs over uh, his sister and her children mm-hmm. in a two-family flat. So, uh, you know, we had our own bedroom and mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, we were, of course, rehearsing constantly, trying to improve, you know, our craft right. and make sure we were better each and every day. And he would go to the office and try to do whatever, you know, learn what he could learn right. about songwriting and the other things that they could do in terms of office work. And um, we made it through. Yeah, these are the struggling times, but also the happy times because the hope of things happening is uh, is on the horizon. Well, I think that you're correct on that. Uh, you're looking forward to mm-hmm. what may happen. But I think the other thing is when you have people that really want to do that and people who love one another yeah. and you're really working towards trying to make something happen, it becomes a little easier. I'm not saying it was easy, but easier right. than it been, especially in today's world, because in today's world, I think a lot of people probably would not have even, you know, they say, forget it. Yeah. You know, are you kidding? Because there were times I had my goal was to become a teacher. So I did not know. I didn't. I was like three dollars and 19 cents. I don't know if we're going to be able to, <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? Maybe I need to go back and finish my education and, uh, you know, become the teacher. Right. Because I've always loved children, always loved children. And I still do today. Now, in the beginning, it wasn't Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. It was the Miracles. And three of you actually would sing lead vocal on the songs. It would be you and Ronnie White and Smokey. And on the first album, you sing After All. fantastic song oh thank you thank you so much and then you pop in just a little bit at the tail end of the song who's loving you and if you exciting too when you say that because we'd be on the road and we sing the song mm-hmm. who's loving you 
And all of a sudden, you know, the end, I'm saying the words, who's loving you? And so when you say that, uh, the people be like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, jumping up, clapping and whatever. And years later, of course, uh, with Michael Jackson singing, who's loving you, I would hear our young people say, that's a Michael Jackson song. And I said, well, well it is now, but it was a miracle song. Right. So you're singing this song live in concert and Smokey's carrying the song the whole way. And then at the end, Claudette pops in and that's when the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they wanted me to do more. Gotcha. But as I mentioned to you before, I was, you know, it took me a little while to come out and not, uh, you know, be so shy because I'm yeah. with, I'm singing with four guys. Yeah. And the audience is mainly female. And I'm wondering like, is it okay? You know, they really like me. Am mm -hmm. I okay for being in here? Because, you know, the girls are screaming yeah. for the guys. Yeah. And uh, I learned that they really enjoyed having me as a part of the group, you, the female people, female audience and whatever. And uh, they would be like, well, we can talk to you. We can ask you questions <laughs> and you can answer and tell us because really? the guy would say, Oh, Claudette, she knows everything. Just ask her. Yeah. Well, they went and played pool or whatever. No. So it's, uh, it's, been a, it's, it's been wonderful, though. That's all I can say. I, if I were doing it over, there may be a few changes, mm -hmm. but I cannot be more grateful and thankful for the wonderful times and the great people that I've met along the way. And for some of them who are still with us today, uh, my heart is just there because we're still friends. We do yeah. a lot of things together, and it's wonderful. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. So now, back in the day, sometimes you hear if... Um if a member of the band is married, they want to, they try to keep that, the record company would want to keep that a secret, but it doesn't sound like when you and Smokey were married, that it was a secret. People knew it. Like the audience uh, members, did they know? I, I think they pretty much knew it. Mm -hmm. And the ones that didn't know it, I mean, sometimes the girls would come back and they'd go, I like that guy. And I'd say, which one? And they say, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the one that's doing the lead. Yeah. I, I'd say, oh, and they'd say, are you related? And I'd say, <laughs> well, kind of. They said, we have the same last name, so that's why we were asking. And they say, are you his sister? <laughs> I said, no. no. They said, are you his cousin? Nope. No, not his cousin. Then they'd say, well, who are you? I said, his wife? Oh, no, no, no. I was liking him. I said, well, you can still like him. You can him, still but... like him, just in a different way. <laughs> so it was uh, it was, it was, was interesting because they'd often say, well, you guys are too young to be married. I said, well, maybe we are, but we, we're still married. Right. So how are you guys, what, where are you guys playing? Are you playing all over the country? Uh, I mean, it's a different time back then. I would imagine there were places that you weren't welcome to play 
Well, the South is uh, one of the places that it was difficult to play. It wasn't difficult to play the venues. Mm-hmm. What was difficult is finding some place to stay. Yeah. Because many times, you know, hotels were off limit. And mm-hmm. so you were at a lot of rooming houses. And uh, that's where you had to stay. And I think initially we didn't realize that it was going to be that difficult. Yeah. Um, even though I had been from the South, it had been a long time since I had been there. And as a result of that, I just, um, you know, I would call and say, uh, we need four rooms. And they say, okay, when I was on the phone. Right. And we'd arrive, and it might be two, three guys sitting there with shotguns. And, you know, we'd say, we're here. And they'd be like, we're booked up. And I said, I only called like two hours ago because it was no cell phones or anything. Right. So you had from a telephone booth or something and then when you got there you were like um we're here we're booked up and they say but i just called they say well i'm sorry we're booked up and then when they said cocking that uh, shotgun you knew you better move out quick and that's what we did and some of the venues that we played were really pretty good we did the theater circuit a lot and uh, that was the uh, Uptown Theater in um, Philadelphia. Okay. And we did the Apollo in New York. Amazing. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. We did the Royal in uh, Baltimore. And we did the Regal in Chicago. That was a circuit that went over and over and over again. Gotcha. You know, uh, that we uh, played a lot. And it wasn't just us because, you know, and it was before the Motortown reviews or the Motown review. And um, we played with uh, Jerry Butler. We played with the Flamingos, the Cadillacs, uh, the Shirelles. Um, gosh, we played with uh, once Eartha Kitt. Um, you know, just a yeah. variety because we would have variety shows. It wasn't just like, all one, you know, one act or uh, Peg Leg Bates. I wish you probably told I don't know that. who that is, but and so there must have been a, a fantastic camaraderie when you were on shows with all these other performers. You guys just must have been, you know. Over- oh, it was amazing. It was amazing for the fact that, you know, some of these people we had heard about, but we had never, ever seen them, just heard them on record or whatever, yeah. you know. Our first time at the Apollo, uh, Ray Charles was the house man, and uh, they helped out a lot. He helped out tremendously, Mr. Charles, in getting our first arrangement because his band did not want to play for us because all we had was lead sheets. And, you know, they're like, oh, no, they're professionals. They don't want to be playing. It said, those kids, they need to go back home somewhere. (laughs) And so he said... He could hear what was going on, and he said, "What what's happening? And the guy, one of his band members said, well, you know, they don't have real music here. We want, you know, we can't play that. And he said, come over here. So Smokey went over and sat by, the, sat by him at the piano. He said, start singing. So Smokey started singing, we started singing, and he was telling his band member, write this down. So he was actually writing the notes, what I call our very first professional arrangement. Wow. Now this is, and again, this is, this is early on in everyone's career. Ray Charles is not yet the legend that we know him to be. And you, it's just musicians learning from each other and working it out. 
That's so cool. <laughs> Again, I said cool. Um, well, that's okay. It's, it's my cool. it's my word for the day. I keep going. I keep in my head thinking though about when you would be turned away from a, a place to stay. You were you just did shows and you're you know you're you're getting applause and cheered and you're you're on top of the world on stage and then you come off and you have to make it through the world and in some places in the country you know you you run right into the harsh reality of how things were back then and sadly still are in some places that um the highs and lows of that must have been must have been difficult to navigate and and you guys are young too well we certainly were young that's for sure but it wasn't only just not being able to stay someplace mm -hmm. also in terms of if you wanted to eat you know you may go to a restaurant, and for some, of course, you couldn't sit down. Yeah. And others, they would not even allow you to get something to take out. So it was hard, you know. Um, but I think you kind of get used to whatever you have to deal with, and you just make it better for yourself. Gotcha. I remember I was the one who carried the money most of the time for the group. <laughs> you, were, you were the trustworthy one. <laughs> I was stuffing down like in my bra. <laughs> so the guys, we'd all be in a restaurant. And I remember my cousin, Bobby, he would say, I want a um, ham and cheese sandwich. And I say, well, you know, you can have the ham, but we got to hold the cheese. <laughs> I said, we, you know, we, we can't. If cheese was maybe 15 cents more. And, you know, that doesn't seem like a lot today. Right. But if you had 15 and 15 and 15, it gets to be more. You could have gotten another sandwich by the time, you know, you finish with that. Yeah. So um, it was, um, I mean, as I look back on it, I'm like, how did we make it through? But I think with the love and dedication to each other and one another, uh, we were able to do that, you know, and yeah. we held fast and, to each other. And because ig ignorance is bliss, because if you don't, if you don't know any, this is just how it is. So this is, this is how right. we do it. ask about um the audiences of the shows were they primarily uh african-american or were there would there be white people there at the shows well yes it would be both um both groups uh black and white okay but in the south what they would do is they would put either a rope down the middle if it's just one floor mm -hmm. They put a rope down the middle with police that were there with billy clubs so that they wouldn't cross over to touch one another. And the thing that changed that is one day Smokey said, we are not going 
on this show any longer. We're not going to sing anymore unless they take that rope down. So because the kids are kids, they don't care anything about no. what you are. And um, they did that. And that was basically the start of, you know, the audience mingling together uh, because the kids were fine with it. Sometimes their parents didn't like it. And the other times it's like you have maybe whites up top and blacks down below or vice versa, depending yeah. on what it was. And um, I'm, I was happy that that changed, you know, because the kids love the music. We love performing for them. And for them just to be down, you know, where they could really enjoy it was just the best thing for us. Yeah. Anyway. And good for good for Smokey for putting his foot down and, you know, and standing up for, you know, the audience and, and the music. I mean, music's joyful. Music is to bring us together. There shouldn't yeah. be. It makes no sense to to divide it like that. That's why I like to uh, like to tell my kids about these things, because, you know, a lot of times they're oblivious to what it was like, you know, in my lifetime, in your lifetime. It's, um, it's important. So I'm so glad. Thank you for telling this, that these stories, these are, it's a learning experience for people listening. It really is. It is. Um, well, I do understand that. I do understand that because times have changed and then they've changed again. And I'm hoping that once again, we will come to another new change because it's so much, you know, people are people yeah. all over the world. And if we can just get that one reality and recognize that if you were to take the, the skin off of anyone, we're all the same. It's all the we're same. You know, it's no difference. And then when you go and you donate blood, they don't say this is from a black person or this right. is from a person or whatever. And so it would be wonderful if people could come together and just recognize, you don't have to live with them. You know, you just respect a person for being another human being, because that's what we are. We're all human beings. We all have different ideas, different, you know, different degrees, different everything. Different everything. But on the other hand, we, come, we can come together and be able to really just enjoy one another. And because uh, life is to be enjoyed, you don't need to be going around angry and just, you know, all the time. Yeah. Like, ah, you yeah. know, just uh, live. Because I know for me to get to be 150, which I'm looking forward to, <laughs> you know, I can't be getting uh, angry and all that stuff. I feel like you are living your best life. I'm living my best life. That's Each good. Everyone, everyone should, everyone should be. Uh, 1962, you got another album, I'll Try Something New, and you have a uh, lead vocal on He Don't Care About Me, and that's 
That song's a killer. I love it. Oh, that that warms my heart. I'm so happy to hear you say that. You know, the problem with me and doing lead, the guys, Smokey wanted me to lead. The Mm -hmm. guys wanted me to lead more. Mr. Gordy wanted me to lead. But I was really shy. And I would get in the recording studio and to give you a sample of how it looked of me doing the lead. I would go in the studio. I'd have them to put the little border around me. I'd turn my back to the wall, turn the lights down low, (laughs) and then I would sing. And, you know, as I look back, I said, I don't know what. They were all encouraging me. Like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We want you to sing this. We want you to sing this. But my idea, I think I always thought this was their group. Smokey had always been their lead, yeah. you know, so what What was there for me to do? I mean, he already, as far as I was concerned, he already had, we all had our spot, our place, our voices that we were going to sing. You know, I was the top voice. Bobby was right under me, then Ronnie, then Pete being the bass, which actually he never really sang bass mm-hmm. because, you know, the way the harmony was uh, arranged. And then we had our guitarist, Marv Tarplin who was an amazing guy that wrote songs with everybody. You know, a lot of people don't know who Marvin was, but he was absolutely amazing. And those fingers, you know, wrote a lot of tunes that people really love today. Well, here's the thing about you singing lead on the on the records. Let's say you would only sing one, and it's a home run. So you know that's better than that's you know maybe that was good. Then it's a, that's a standout track because that's Claudette on lead, and it's a winner. So good for you. 
Less is more. <laughs> well, I guess you're, I guess you're right on that, you know. But uh, I had a great time. Is um, I think because the guys took such excellent care of me, they always made sure that I was protected. Because you know, sometimes it was really rough at some of the places that we played. I would you know? imagine, yeah. A fight might break out. You know, I remember once we were in, um, oh, God, I forgot which city in Michigan, but uh, we were there and someone started fighting. And when they did, the guys are looking like, okay, where's Claudette? We got to, like, you know, make sure that she gets out of here safely, you know. And uh, so and you never know what's going to take place. Yeah. And some of the places that we played were not like, you know, the top, like, um, Grand ball yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't play the A rooms at first, for sure. Now, Claudette, you have a big personality. Are you in person, are you a tiny person? <laughs> I mean, you know, are, I mean height wise, are you tiny? I, I, I think I'm about five five. At least I say right. five. So you're not five four, but anyway, uh, I'm about five five. Okay. I, so I was in the Marine Corps Reserves and I became a sharpshooter. And uh, my basic training was in at Camp Pendleton, uh, California. And so I'm, I'm kind of adventuresome, I think, you know, in terms of I'm always like wanting to do something new and challenging yeah. and whatever. But I don't think that I'm like tiny, tiny. Okay. You're the average, average height. You, you are full of surprises here with the, with just, it seems like you've done everything. <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling like a fa- I'm feeling like a failure talking to you. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about 1963. There's an album doing Mickey's Monkey, and you sing such a fun, fun song called Wawatusi. Now, when you when you guys would do that live, that must have brought the house down. Well, we only really did that song live a few times, you know, because when you're doing these um, these different venues, mm-hmm. um, they usually want to hear what they know. And got, that I gotcha. Is, okay. And we were not always the star feature, you know. Many times there would sometimes five other acts might be on the show. And um, I was looking at uh, a flyer the other day, and it had <laughs> it had uh, it was two dollars and fifty cents basically for all day to come and see all the acts that were there. And for some 
the places that we played, like the Apollo, you'd play do the show, mm-hmm. and on Wednesdays, what they had was a movie the uh, movie feature in between, you know, on that day, and it was. Uh, that was our time to kind of rest because on most days it was four shows a day. Wow. And if it was holiday time, you had five and occasionally six shows in one day. The halftime usually was nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning. And so it, by the time you finish, you had played to, you might get out of there by 12, by midnight or one o'clock in the morning. So you were there all day. That was your life, you know. Yeah. And so you, after that, you might get something to eat, go to bed, go home, go to bed, wherever you were staying. Yeah. And uh, get up was, and do it again. Yeah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. So how many how many songs would be in the Miracle set list? Like how many songs would you guys play? Well, when we first started, it was one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever the hit was. We were the opening act uh, when we first started. Okay. Then you work yourself, uh, let's say, for instance, at the Apollo. When you are the opening act, you're at the top of the, you know, the fifth floor of the theater. Okay. And as you become a little bit more recognized, you work yourself down, four, three, two. And then when you're the headliner, you're on the main floor. And so you just walk straight out. Walk straight out from your room to the stage. (laughs) That's excellent. Yes, yes, yes. So the uh, first single, Got a Job. Walked all day till my feet were tired. I was low, I just couldn't get hired. Saw a sign in a grocery store. Help is light, and we need some more. I got a job. So you're saying that like you guys might just come out and sing got a job and then you're, you're done for that show or whatever the, whatever the hit was. I think that uh, our first time out, we actually sang bad girl. Okay. Do you remember that song or have you heard that at all? I don't think I do know that one. Okay. Well, look it up and see. I I definitely will. (laughs) I think Claudette is yelling at me right now. She's not a bad girl
Uh, <laughs> first number one single, Shop Around, 1960. Yeah, well, you know what? Ha- you know what happened with Shop Around? It was out. It was released mm-hmm. and was out for two weeks. And Mr. Gordy called all of us back into the studio at three o'clock in the morning. And he said, you know, this beat is something is wrong with it. It's just not where it should be. We've got to re-record it. And we did. And so the one that became our number uh, million seller was the one that he said we should change. And so I guess he was really right. So this this song is already released. It's out there in the public. And he says, nope, we got to do it again. So they pull all the they pull all the singles that are out. And, and replace them with the new recording? New recording. When I became of age, my mother called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up now. Pretty soon you'll take a bride. And then she said, just because you become a young man now, there's still some things that you don't understand now. Before you ask some girl for a hand now, keep your freedom for as long as you can. Three in the morning. This is the stuff that uh, Barry Gordy's thinking about. <laughs> and it worked. It worked. Uh, thank God for that. Because who knows when it would have been that we would have had another hit or any hit, you know, because it's not easy when you're competing with so many people, but you have hopes and dreams and you plan that yeah. something amazing is going to happen. But I think if you continue to have faith and keep working on your craft, I think you can do it. But you just have to really work at it. And sometimes you have to work a little harder than you think you do. You know, you just can't like just say, oh, well, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm finished now. Maybe you need to change the harmony. Maybe you need to change some of the chords in the music, all kinds of things. We were fortunate because Smokey um, did most of our writing. So when we went into the studio, most of the time, we already knew what we had to do. We had a harmony. We had, you know, steps and whatever. Not, I don't mean the choreography, but whatever we needed to do. And so we didn't take all day to record. Now, our very first time out, got a show. It took all day to record that. I bet, because you've never done it before in the studio. Well, no, and we took a, a bag lunch, you know, took our own little lunch. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's been some interesting times. And then eventually you guys, you know, big success with songs like I second that emotion and tears of the clown. I mean, these are, these are classic songs that everyone knows no matter what age you are.
when the band finally became Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, was that just a progression that was going to happen? Because as you've said today, Smokey was always the leader. And mm -hmm. so it was just time to put his name in front of the Miracles. You know, I was, I actually was um, exiting the group mm -hmm. in terms of performance. And uh, the reason behi behind that, there were a lot of groups uh, that were impersonating other groups. Okay. So that you could have a title and so people could recognize you. If Smokey was not there, you knew that that was not the original Miracles. Gotcha. So there could be there was there could be another band that just said we're the Miracles, and they're booking themselves in places and singing your songs, but it's yeah. not the Miracles. Okay. And you know, unfortunately, that still happens today. There are groups all over impersonating other groups. Yeah. And you know, it might be five Marvelettes. Uh, uh, I don't think it's been too many miracles, uh, but occasionally there are a few, you know, do on the name of the miracles. So uh, I try to catch that if I can. Yeah. Well, shame on, shame on the people that are booking these fake bands and not doing their due diligence to figure out that this isn't, this doesn't have anything to do with the original miracles or the Marvelettes. Yeah. That's rough. And, you know, the thing is, is that the law says that you need one original Mm -hmm. uh, to claim that name unless you have been given the permission uh, from whoever owns it gotcha. to be able to do that, you know. And because now we do have, I mean, I have uh, a group, uh, Sydney Justin and three other guys that uh, go out as The Miracles. Okay. And Sydney is just amazing. One day maybe I'll send you a record of him singing, and I just want you to just hear what he sounds like. Please do. I would love to hear it. Yeah. A uh, couple more high points uh, of your career. Rolling Stone magazine calls the Miracles one of the hundred greatest groups of all time. Not a small feat. Quite an honor. 2009, the Miracles get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Well, I will tell you, I was blown away because we had been around, uh, I believe, 50 years by mm -hmm. then. And I just thought it would never, ever take place and happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ronnie, our baritone, was already deceased. And he was, you know, so his family was there. Yeah. His daughter, my goddaughter, she uh, and his uh, widow actually came, you know, to represent him. But I, I was, it was almost like unbelievable that I caught that little girl. Yeah. You're going to have a star, you know, you're going to be embedded in cement forever and ever and ever. It was really, I mean, it was wonderful. It was amazing. But it was also like, you know, you have to almost like, is it true? Is it really true? <laughs> right. I'm going to be, you know, like have a star on the Walk of Fame. With all these other famous people that when you were young, you grew up as, as a fan of these people. And now you're right there with them. Well, I tell you, I was, not only was I just blown away, but I just felt so very blessed. And uh, I felt extremely honored that this had happened for, you know, our group. And, you know, because we've had a lot of wonderful things happen to us, as, yeah. you know, as well as there have been downtimes as well. But for that to happen, and then our next thing that happened was... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's almost every entertainer's dream to be able to become a part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because what they tell you, this is your house. Yeah. You know, you go in there and, you know, they have such wonderful artifacts and so many things to, you know, that they've received from um, so many artists. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful place. I'm hoping that this COVID will soon be over so that we can all visit again yes because each time i've gone and i've gone several times you know since that i took my book you know claudette's miraculous mm -hmm. motown adventure i took that to the rock and roll hall of fame and uh they brought some children for me to read to oh that's very nice and it was so exciting well for me it was like extremely exciting you know the kids are always wonderful they want to hug you you yeah. know they want kisses <laughs> and they dance for you they sing for you so i enjoyed it yeah the kids are uninhibited they'll just they, whether they good dancers or good singers they don't care they're just going to do it and they do it and yeah they do it that's another yeah. thing you can't get a you can't get uh hugs and kisses from uh these kids right now so right. that'll have to come back too but um yeah the rock and roll hall of fame now i want to ask you about the star on the walk of fame if I ask you this, would you be able to answer? Do you know the location of your star? Do you know what? Do. do you know the address? I do not know the address. I just know where it is. It's at seventy sixty Hollywood Boulevard. What? Where? What's? What's it in front of? In front of? You know, like what? You know, there's always like a there's a, a store or whatever. Do you know what's? Do you have any idea what the uh, what the business is that might be in front of your star? I'm putting you on the spot. I know it's. I know you it's, are. It's not, but that's a good thing for me to know. I'm glad that yeah. you're bringing this up. So now I'll have some other facts to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't recall what's. And I've been to that star many, many times because when people come in town, they want me to take them to the star. Of course they do. That's the <laughs> that's the uh, that's first class treatment. <laughs> and can you tell me? Uh, no, I, I only know the address, so I'm I'm. Oh. Uh, I, I, I don't know anything more than you do. Oh, well, next time I'm going to, next time we talk, yes. I will know what that is. Let me ask you this. Is there another children's book in your, uh, in your life? Does Cla can young Claudette have other adventures or is her story told? Oh no, it's never finished. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I do have plans to um, do some other children's books. I don't know if it'll be a continuation mm -hmm. of uh, what is miraculous or I'm trying to complete my biography that I've probably been working on for about 30 years. Wow. And uh, we also have a documentary that we're uh, trying to complete by this year. Hopefully, I don't know. And uh, let me think, what else am I doing? Uh, I think that's it, huh? That's it. Well, that's a lot. You got two projects that you're working on. And you're still living your best life. Let me uh, <laughs> let me tell people where they can find you. The website is themiracleshop.com. We can find you on Twitter at First Lady of Motown, and that's at the letter one ST Lady of Motown. You're everywhere, though. People can find you. Just Google Claudette Robinson, and they will find you. Uh, Instagram at First Lady of Motown, but it's spelled F I R S T. This has been terrific chat. You really, uh, you really told me a lot about your career, and uh, I really appreciate you taking this hour out of your life to uh, to chat with me. I do have one more question for you. I always ask the artist 
uh, what they would like me to use as the playout song. Of all the songs that you've been involved with, what song would you like to play out the show with? Wow. <laughs> Another hard one. Yeah, well, only because in my, in my head I was thinking that you liked After All so much. And because that was actually me doing the lead. And then I thought, well, maybe it'll be something that other people would like. But, you know, one song that um, I really always enjoyed, and that was a song called Wine, Women, and Song. We're the singers in a traveling show. That's on a Smokey solo album. Oh, that's right. I, is, I think it is. I think it's from 1980. It is. And you and you guys sing uh, a duet together. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But I think is because my grandchildren just discovered that we had done something together. And my granddaughter that wants to be in music, she was like, oh, God, I just love this. But, you know, maybe after all, because that's something maybe to reacquaint if they haven't been acquainted. Good idea. For, their, for, uh, for a new audience, perhaps, because um, they may not know that I actually did lead something. Okay, then after all it is, and that's the beauty of music is it lives forever and we can always discover it. And that's what I love about music. Claudette, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I wish you well. Uh, I hope that you get that vaccine sh soon. I will. I will, because my daughter is looking at me as I'm <laughs> doing the interview, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yes, I am going to get it. I am going to get it. There was a reason that I was delayed, but um, I, I, it won't be delayed any longer. Well, I think the reason is you told us earlier, you, you're too young. You're too young to be on the list. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. That's our show. Uh, follow us at rock solid show. Go to rock podcast.com for all things about the show. And here we go. Everyone, please enjoy the lead vocal stylings of Claudette Robinson on the song after all. Hey, this is Pat. And shortly after recording the episode with Claudette Robinson, I got a message from Claudette asking me to change the playout song. So, Instead of After All, which is fantastic, and we've already heard during the show, we are now going to play a song called More Love. And the reason Claudette wanted me to play this is that Smokey wrote it specifically for her as she was going through her miscarriages because he wanted her to know how much he loved her. So with that, please enjoy More Love. 
This is no act. This is real. It's a fact. I'll always belong only to you. Each day I'll be living to make sure I'm giving you. 